0: Last Sunday evening, we were began looking at one of God's many attributes. We're looking at the knowledge of God or His omniscience. And we saw that creation itself witnesses to the fact of God's knowledge; that He is a God of intelligence. Just so looking around at all of the intricate things that He has created, uh, from the smallest particle to the heavens itself. That God is a God of great intelligence and knowledge. But also his knowledge is particularly reflected in man who was created in God's image. As the Shorter Catechism says that God created man, male and female after his own image in knowledge, righteousness and holiness with dominion over his creatures. So we reflect God's Knowledge by our own knowledge. Now, of course, ours is finite and his is infinite. But the scriptures also declare everywhere that God is a God of knowledge. First Samuel 2, 3 says the Lord is the God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. The extent of God's knowledge is that he knows everything. Not a God who knows a lot. Uh, or some things, but He knows everything. And then we call this the omniscience of God. Psalm 147.5 says, Great is the Lord, His understanding is infinite. He has a complete and perfect knowledge of Himself, a complete and perfect knowledge of His creation. Let me back up to the one about Himself. We've been studying in Sunday school uh, we were talking about the mysteries that we cannot understand, mysteries about God, particularly about his sovereignty and man's responsibility. We can't figure it out. It's a, it's a mystery to us, but it's not a mystery to God. He understands everything about himself perfectly. And then he also has a perfect and complete knowledge of his creation. Uh, again, there are no mysteries with God in creation. He made it, he knows everything about it, and then also he has uh, he knows completely and perfectly all events, past, present, and future uh both things actual and even possible God knows it all he can't be stumped, he can't be uh perplexed. God is a god of knowledge, but then he also has a complete and perfect knowledge of man and we from Psalm 139 where David speaks of God's knowledge. You have searched me and known me. You know all about me. You know even before a word is on my tongue, you know it all together. And so that's a wonderful thing to consider. Uh, Jeremiah 23 asks the question, or Jeremiah 17 says, uh, 17 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and who can know it? Sometimes we can't even Know ourselves. But God knows it all together. He is the one, it says in verse 10, who searches the heart and He tests the mind. In chapter 23, verse 24, it says, Can anyone hide himself in the secret places so I shall not see him? Not at all. Uh, we can look in Scripture. We see how God always was a God of knowledge when Adam and Eve sinned. And He came into the garden and called out for Adam. Uh, He said, where are you? Don't take that to mean that God did not know where Adam was. That we speak of as anthropomorphic language. He speaks to us like a man would speak to another man, but he's altogether infinite. His knowledge is unsearchable. It's infinite. He knew where they were. Uh, but he, he calls him out and that's why he knew he had eaten. Have you eaten? Well, he knew Adam had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, he knew it when he did it. He knew it before he did it. You ever thought of that? God knew about the fall before it happened. Oh, and we could go back into eternity. Before God created anything or anyone, he knew that man would fall. He knows everything. He knows uh the actions of men. He knows what we're thinking. Psalm ninety-four eleven. The Lord knows the thoughts of man. Uh, Proverbs fifteen eleven. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. So how much more the hearts of the sons of men. He knows our hearts. You know we can say to people all the time, Well you don't know me or you can't read my mind. You don't know what's in my heart. You don't know my motive. God knows the motives. He knows everything about us. Ezekiel eleven five. Thus you have said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. Even Jesus, the Lord Jesus, we saw His knowledge displayed when, when the Pharisees were speaking to themselves, you know how you think and you're speaking to yourself, and He says, Why are you thinking this in your heart? He knew what they were thinking. Well, God knows everything. He knows you. He knows your name. That's an amazing thing too. All the people in the world that have ever lived, who are presently living and will live, He knows their name. He knows everything about them. He knows them completely. He doesn't merely observe your actions or your appearance. He knows your heart. He knows what you're thinking. The older writer's Said that God has a window to look into men's breasts. You remember the old story of Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones. A certain woman came up to him after service and began to praise him and overly praise him as such a good man. And he replied, Madam, if you knew my heart, you would spit in my face. Isn't that something? And that's true. We don't really want to know everything someone's thinking or everyone's thinking. It would drive us mad. We would, we would stay away from everyone so they didn't know us or we didn't know them. But God knows it. He knows it all together. Charles Spurgeon said, Oh, beloved, it is a sight that no human eye could endure. The sight of a heart really laid bare before one's own inspection would startle us almost into insanity. But God sees the heart in all its bestial sensuousness, in all its wanderings and rebellions, in all its high-mindedness and pride. God has searched and knows it altogether. The hymn says, My thoughts, scarce struggling into birth, great God, are known to thee. Abroad at home, still I am enclosed with thine immensity. God knows us altogether. He knows us Constantly, Uh, when I'm awake, the psalmist says, you're there, you know it, you know everything. He doesn't forget things. There's, again, that anthropomorphic language that God uses to show the extent of his forgiveness. And he says that your sins I will remember no more. And God doesn't really forget them as though they now disappeared from His knowledge because He knows everything. If you remember your sins and God doesn't, doesn't, then you would know more than Him. Or you would know something that He doesn't know. But God uses that language just to express the completeness of His forgiveness. He knows you perfectly, better than you know yourself. J.I. Packer says, living becomes an awesome business when you realize that you spend every moment of your life in the sight and company of an omniscient, omnipresent Creator. That's uh, something we don't think of enough. That you, O Lord, see me. You know me altogether. To think that we are presently, individually, constantly, under the gaze of God, under the eye of omniscience, could fill us with dread. But if you're a child of God, we'll see in a moment, that's a comfort. It's still you don't, you're not glad that he sees your sins, but you know that he sees your sins. And you know what? He saw your sins before he created you. He saw your sins before he saved you. He saw all your sins. The ones you have committed and the ones you will commit. And He still called you by His grace and drew you to Himself. While meditating on God's omniscience in Psalm 139, He said, Oh, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. He thought of that as a precious thing. How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would more be more in number than the sand. And when I am awake, I am still with you. So far from filling him with a sense of dread and uneasiness in his soul. His soul is flooded with a warmth of comfort and and peace and serenity. But how can that be? Uh, we, we, If we thought somebody else knew all about us, we would probably stay away from them. <laughs> we would be ashamed. But we're before a God who is um, not only omniscient, but is all-loving, and all caring for his creatures. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13, speaking of the word of God, but then it kind of just goes right on over to speak of God and his omniscience. There's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we we must give an account. A Christian should not have a dread of God's knowledge. Simply because instead of running and hiding from him, he's fled to him for refuge. He comes naked. Naked come to thee for dress, we sing. God has stripped him and uh, completely naked. We don't have a plea. And so we come to him and beg for mercy to which he showers on us. James Boyce said, uh, This is the message of Christianity, that we could be known and clothed at the same time. He knows all about us, and yet He clothes us with His own righteousness. Psalm 61, verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. So God has clothed us with His own righteousness. The sinner who has fled to Christ for refuge has been freed from the guilt of sin. You know, we talk about Satan accusing the brethren. And we agree, yes, we have done this and we have done that. We are guilty, but Jesus Christ has died. And so we have great, great comfort. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The God who knows all of his sins from the least to the greatest has freely forgiven them all in Jesus Christ. Another reason this is a comfort to a Christian that God knows everything about him is that being saved from sin, he longs to be saved completely from sin. He not only wants the forgiveness of sin, he wants to be cleansed from the pollution of sin. And from from uh, he wants to be sanctified completely. He longs to be holy even as God is holy. And that's why David in Psalm 90 verse 8 invites the scrutiny of God, of God's omniscient eye to look upon him. Because a Christian knows, as we said earlier, that even his own heart he doesn't know at times. We don't know our sins as we ought. And so in Psalm 90, verse 8, he says, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your countenance. And that's a good thing. God knows these. Psalm 19, verse 12 says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. We want God to see our sins and to reveal them to us so that we will repent of them. That's why the knowledge is such a comfort and not a dread to a Christian. It's something we should desire God's eye to look upon us. Maybe you've never come to him to be clothed and that's why you this is a very uncomfortable thought that God knows all about you. Uh It would be easy for Him to condemn you. But if you have come to Christ, then you realize that He has not only cleansed me and forgiven me, but He's brought me into His very family. I am His. I am my beloved, And He is mine. So, it's something that ought to comfort us. The knowledge of God also, as Thomas Watson says, teaches us the foolishness of hypocrisy of pretending before God. That we can pretend before people because they can't see. We can look like everything's good on the outside, like the Pharisees. The outside of the cup was beautiful, but the inside was full of rottenness. The Lord, the Bible says, does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. It teaches us also, when we think of the knowledge of God, of His great patience. That should be a comfort to us. That God is a patient God, but it should also lead us to repentance. Maybe you have unconfessed sin or unrepented of sin. Don't you know that God knows all about it? He knows what you do in the secret places. He knows what your thoughts are, the lust in your heart. He knows all about that. You look in the book of Revelation when he's addressing the churches. To every church, he says, I know this and I know that. Whether it's I know your works and they have not been forgotten or I know your evil works or your sins. I know you. And that should be a call to repentance. Such knowledge, the psalmist says, is too wonderful for me. God knows us all together. It should be comforting again to us in relation to our sins and knowing that our sins have been removed. Uh, But we know that God's knowledge of us, even with our sins, He still loves us, still forgives us, still cleanses us. In in Hebrews chapter 6, it says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love which you have shown toward His name. Now you minister to the saints and do minister. God doesn't forget these things in the life of a Christian. You know, last week we were praying for a certain person uh, who's uh, had some very difficult times in their life and, and struggles and, and illnesses and all. And at first there were so many people comforting them, and now it seems like they've all forgotten. Forgotten them. And that's an awful thing to feel forgotten. By others, and that will haven't happen. We sing that hymn. Friends may fail me, foes assail me. He, my Savior, makes me whole. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never forgets us. He never forgets us in our affliction. He's always with us. This should be a comfort when we come to Him in prayer. Now, prayer is, we've said, is not really informing God. So we can pray like that. God knows it already, but He's asked us to pray. He's bid us to pray, and so we come. But His omniscience should actually be an encouragement to prayer. Our prayers are known and heard by God. Have you ever thought of that, children? I'm sure you have. All children seem to have these theological questions that we can't answer. But how can God hear all of these prayers all over the world, all at the same time? Here we're praying in Rockford, Illinois, lifting up prayers, but prayers are going up, ascending every day, every hour, every minute, all over the globe. Christians are crying out to God. How does He hear them all? Well, He is an omniscient God. That's no trouble for Him. He can hear you as though you are the only one praying. He takes notice of that. He hears our prayer. He's a. We call Him a God. Hearing a prayer, hearing God, and such he is, a prayer hearing God. Listen to what Arthur Pink says about this. He says, "There's no cause for a, for fearing that the petitions of the righteous will be not be heard, or that their sighs and their tears shall escape the notice of God, since He knows the thoughts and intents of the heart." There's no danger of the individual saint being overlooked. Amidst the multitude of supplicants who daily and hourly present their various petitions, for an infinite mind is capable of paying the same attention to millions as if it were one individual seeking his attention. So too, the lack of appropriate language, the inability to give expression to the deepest longings of the soul will not jeopardize our prayers for it shall come to pass that before they call, quoting Isaiah sixty-five twenty-four, before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Isn't that a comfort to you to know that God is hearing your prayer? He's hearing our prayers. His omniscience guarantees that He can hear. And His faithfulness guarantees that He will hear. So it's a wonderful thing to know that God hears us. I read something just before uh, leaving the house that I I copied off because uh, I thought it was so rich in J.I. Packer's book, The uh, The, uh, Knowing God, which I know the the O'Briens are having a a reading group with some friends reading through this book again. Uh, If you've never read it, you ought to. It's a wonderful book. Uh, Mr. Packer just unpacks the The various attributes of God. And and this particular one is on uh, knowing and being known. He talks about being known, that is being known by God. He says, what matters supremely, therefore, is not in the last analysis the fact that I know God, but the larger fact which underlies it, the fact that He knows me. I am graven on the palms of His hands, the Scriptures say. I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me, and there is no moment when his eye is off me or his attention distracted from me, and in no moment, therefore, when his care falters. This is momentous knowledge. This is unspeakable comfort, the sort of comfort that energizes. Be it said, not in in knowing God, in knowing that God is constantly taking knowledge of me and love and watching over me for my good. This is tremendous relief in knowing that His love to me is utterly realistic based at every point upon prior knowledge of the worst about me, so that no discovery can disillusion him about me, and in in the way I am so often disillusioned about myself, and quench his determination to bless me. I think I just want to stop before I read the last part. Uh, that uh, his knowledge is based upon prior knowledge of the worst about me. We get to know people and we like them. Oh, we love to be around them. They're fun to be around. The more time we spend too often, the less we want to be around them. At first we thought it was great. We tell people when they come and they're all excited about this church and they want to join Grace Reformed Baptist Church. We say, okay, that's wonderful. We're glad we want you to. But stay around a little bit first and see You, you need to get closer and see the chinks in our armor. And unfortunately, we've had people that have seen chinks in our armor uh, and they, they don't stay around. But that's what happens. But God knows the worst about us and still cares for us. And then Packer goes on to say, finally, he says, There is, certain, there is certainly great cause for humility in the thought that he sees all the twisted things about me that my fellow humans do not see, and I'm glad. And that he sees more corruption in me than which I see in myself, which in all conscience is enough. There is, however, equally great incentive to worship and love God in the thought that for some unfathomable reason he wants me as his friend and desires me to be and desires to be my friend and has given his son to die for me in order to realize this purpose we cannot work through these thoughts out here uh, out here but merely to mention them is enough to show how much it means to know not merely that we know god but that he knows us so praise the lord let's pray